0: out get rid of that frown that's been dragging you down and get up in the air just pretend that you can fly you'll never know if you can till you
1: try hi and welcome to cannabis helps dementia i'm chella
0: i'm dave and right up front we'd like to say that we're not doctors or medical professionals and nothing you hear in this podcast should be considered medical advice Right. We're not experts, but throughout this podcast series, you'll hear from doctors, nurses, research scientists, administrators, other caregivers, and people living with dementia about how cannabis helps.
1: Like it did for our family. That's right. After my mom was diagnosed with dementia, we were thrust into family caregiving and became fierce advocates for people living with dementia.
0: Including their access to cannabis medicine.
1: In this episode, we catch up with cannabis clinician and educator, Dr. Sherry Afai.
0: Sherry Yafai, M.D., is a cannabis and board-certified emergency medicine physician at Providence St. John Medical Center since 2009.
1: In 2017, after adult-use cannabis laws had passed in California, Dr. Yafai opened her private cannabis clinic, the Relief Institute, where she sees patients referred by physicians for cannabis education
0: and treatment. Dr. Yafai is a former co-vice president and current board member of the Society of Cannabis Clinicians the previous director of research and development at High Sobriety, a member of the UCLA Cannabis Initiative, and speaker for UCSD Center for Medical Cannabis Research. In 2018, she was accepted as an adjunct associate professor at John Wayne Cancer Institute, now St. John's Cancer Institute.
1: Dr. Yafai works to educate physicians, clinicians, and other healthcare providers on the most up-to-date clinical data and research in the field of cannabis medicine. In your practice uh, at the Relief Institute, do you see a lot of seniors and people living with dementia?
2: Great question. So, when I first started my practice, about 75% were seniors, were mm. patients over 65. Mm. My oldest patient is roughly 99 to 100. Mm. We have, uh, you know, and a lot of people are like, can you use it when people are that old? Oh, yeah, you can, you know, it, it's the same idea. You know, we're using this to help them, not to hurt them, right? We're helping m- move their arthritic pains along so that they can move better and faster so that they can go out and get that good, healthy exercise in and see the sunlight. Um, so that's when I first started, the majority were uh, seniors. Nowadays, my practice is a bit split, so it's about 50-50, so it's either seniors or it's pediatrics. Um, What we're seeing a lot more of is a lot of neurocognitively atypical um, children, unfortunately. It's nice that we have an option that we can utilize um, for some of the, you know, if you want to mirror this, right, you want to mirror what's going on with the older and the younger The mirror is is aggression, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: disorders, and uh, cognitive speech, right? So it's it's all about speech, expressive speech, and uh, receptive language. So those are the two parts that we're seeing. And that's where it's mirroring both in pediatrics and seniors.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Um, So could you tell us about a client or two specifically uh, that you're helping who are living with dementia and what they're using and, how you came to their dose and things like that.
2: Great question. We have a lot of seniors using this. Um, There's two in particular I'm thinking of. And um, patient is about 80 something. She lives in an assisted living facility. She moved to Los Angeles from um, mid, mid the mid United States area. And a bit of that upheaval. And part of it was because she was starting to go through some of the dementia and more aggressive dementia symptoms and couldn't mm-hmm. be alone in her own home anymore. Mm-hmm. So when she moved to Los Angeles, some of that upheaval created some problems. Yeah. Um, her daughter had also recently died.
1: Oh, my. And that
2: created a lot of PTSD for her. Yeah. And whenever she'd kind of recall it, she would start getting sad and tearful and angry, and she would become a bit combative. um, And it was really difficult for her other daughter to watch. Mm -hmm. And so what we, and she was having some insomnia as well and wasn't getting along with caretakers. Mm -hmm. These are the common kind of uh, points that we see across the board. And what we did was we started with a CBD dose during the daytime. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll often start with a hemp CBD product, not because I think hemp or cannabis or marijuana are better or worse. Actually, I do it strictly because hemp is legal in all 50 states. And it is easy to start with in a care facility where it is also legal. It Mm -hmm. is easy because we don't have to worry about flights. The TSA has actually approved hemp CBD products to be carried on airplanes Mm -hmm. across all 50 United States. So Mm -hmm. those aspects of it make it easier. So I think we were speaking earlier about, you know, better versus not as good. And there's a lot of that that goes into these things, but Legalities and ease of administration are such huge factors for us that yeah. you can't avoid that. Yep. So we started her with a yeah, we started her with a hemp CBD product during the daytime and added it in a THC product at night,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and that's where I find some of the edibles to be very helpful because they last a lot longer through the night. We'll mm-hmm. start with a nighttime edible. And she started kind of changing her tune a little bit. And what we did was we started slowly adding in some THC during the day as well. Mm -hmm. So I believe ultimately she's on a four-to-one product. So it's a mixture of CBD and THC during the day. Mm -hmm. And a THC product or a THC dominant product at night. And what you'll see in the videos is really the best part is... Oftentimes people think that when they use cannabis, they're gonna get, you know, stuck in a rut. They're not gonna wanna do anything. Um, They're gonna lack motivation. There's a medical term for that, it's called the apathy. Um, They're gonna become, you know, really lackluster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what we find is actually quite the opposite. And this is really important because this is where dose matters because we can get those effects um, if that's what we're looking for. And sometimes that is what we're looking for but in this particular patient we were not looking for that we were looking for the best parts of her to come out you know she plays with music that brings her joy in the afternoon and she'll get up and dance and sing with her daughter yeah. and she'll you know she, she the best part of her shines through yeah and that's really what we're looking for
1: yes it is
2: but the second patient is one that i mentioned earlier Um, Also a woman in her late 80s, and she has been battling dementia for about a decade now. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was becoming very aggressive with caregivers, new caregivers almost, you know, every month or so. And it was getting exhausting for her husband to kind of help care for her as well. Mm -hmm. And and what we were seeing was a lot of burnout from the immediate ripple, right? The immediate struggle that kind of comes out from this. And... Mm -hmm. It's frustrating and it's hard and it's hard to manage. And the medications that they were giving her, a lot of benzodiazepine sedatives, um, were kind of taking her, you know, je de vivre, her like love for life out. And, and they were like, well, wow, she just either gets really quiet or she kind of, you can tell when she's about to kind of get feisty and aggressive again. Yeah. And so what we did with her as well was we started with the CBD during the daytime. And remember the other part about THC that I do try to avoid sometimes with my older patients is that if they're fall wrists. Yeah. So I worry about them being a little bit unstable on their feet, mm-hmm. which is no big deal. I mean, I think of it like if you have a glass of wine, you would also be unstable on your feet. So we don't want to give our you know, 80, 90 year old patients a glass of wine or you know a beer, right? That's the equivalent right. that yeah. we're looking at. So you want to just be careful that they adjust to that part of the medicine before you give them something a bit more aggressive. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she actually uses THC mints for breakthrough aggression. Yeah. You know, sometimes we forget that everybody has a bad day. I have a bad day. (laughs) My kids can tell you that. My husband can tell you I have bad days. Um, You know, you didn't sleep well. You woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Yeah. You know, you overdid a workout or for me, sometimes if I overdo gardening and I twist something or hurt something or get something Mm -hmm. injured, um, you wake up feeling not so great the next day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that we should give you medicine to meet the the bad days. We want to give you medicine to meet your good days and then Mm -hmm. supplement on those days when you're having a bad day. And that's the other nice part about cannabis is the flexibility.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So we don't need to like benzodiazepines. We don't get as much flexibility. Oftentimes, you know, um, mm-hmm. the body gets really adjusted to it or dependent mm-hmm. on it. So if you don't give it the benzo, then what we see is a little bit of withdrawals happening. Yes. And it makes them more anxious and more crabby and more moody and more yes. Fill in the blank. And yes. then people like, well, I don't know why she was having such a good day and now I'm not having such a good day anymore. Yeah, like, missed her her dose that her body yeah.
1: is used yeah. to. But also benzos are a risk factor for worsening dementia, aren't they?
2: So we're seeing things come out in the scientific data about you know, ambient hypno sedatives, things that help you sleep at night, things that, you know I, I say if it turns your brain off for eight hours, it may have a chance for turning your brain off more permanently, right? So do we need to worry about that? And that's really, you know, part of all of this. This is where we're starting to see some of these changes happening. Um, And with cannabis, it doesn't turn your brain off ever. It's more like a dimmer switch. It kind of quiets some of the excessive noise Yeah, and helps you. That's why some people use it for ADHD because they're finding a bit more focus. They're finding some of that, you know, excessive noise drowns out. Yes. Same thing for sleep. It's a dimmer switch. It's not an on-off.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's not like Ambient where you sleep drive or something crazy. You know? Right, exactly.
2: So <laughs> funny right. enough, I actually have a couple of patients who um, sleep eat. Oh so, my, Yeah, sleep eating, is not, good. Sleep right. eating sleep, is not good. Sleep eating is a big, it's not a big problem. It is a problem. Um, yeah. And it's something that we definitely... Want to address because we see people gain weight and they're just like, I, I don't even know why or how it's happening. But I come downstairs and my entire food just cleared out. I'm like I don't know. What you
1: happened. remember when you eat a lot when you've used cannabis. Right. Oh, yeah.
2: You <laughs> <laughs> remember it and it'll be tasty. Um, it'll be do- you'll get- love it. You'll talk about it.
1: You'll probably post about it. <laughs> you'll enjoy it. Right. You'll enjoy it. Right. Um, yeah. you'll, rem- you'll relish it. So, said,
2: um, you're, but you're never turning off the brain, right? Right. And that's, that's really. Or the important.
0: breathing, or the breathing. Right. Or yeah. the
2: breathing. Right. Right. So we can get situations where people accidentally take too much. You know, one thing we have to be really careful about with seniors is their vision,
1: mm-hmm.
2: their arthritis,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and, um, their hearing. Mm. So it's three different aspects of older care that we need to be mindful of. I had one patient who really did not want to smoke about 90% of my patients do not want to smoke. They have no interest. Right. In it. right. No problem. And, and I don't think that's the best avenue health wise for yes. everyone, right. but I have one patient in particular who is very hard of hearing. So I right. need to um, I have about two patients that I can only text with or email with because they can't hear very well. Um, one patient who's got a trach in, so she can't speak. So we have to text. Um, so this patient can't hear very well. So we have to write things out. Um, his vision, he's legally blind. Oh, no. Um, and third is he's got terrible arthritis. Oh. And so it makes for a really big challenge to give him. I can't give him edibles because he has proven that he can't be trusted. Hmm. Ah. It's the flavor of the taste, or he'll break off. Yeah. Cookies, um, and that will land him in a very bad place. Yeah. Um, I mean, who eats well- a
0: quarter of a cookie, really?
2: No. Right, well, <laughs> right. But he can't even break it off well because it's right. arthritis and it's not yeah. really, you know, and it can be a little bit strong. So, yeah. So be careful with the dose there i can't totally. use a welting shirt because of his vision and his hands yeah um and so we were left to using a vape pen
1: uh-huh. and that
2: was pretty much the only thing we could use and it took a while to convince him that this was a good option for him yes because he can pick it up when he wants it yep he can inhale as much as he feels comfortable yep and then he can put it down yeah he doesn't have to squeeze, pick, poke, fill, you know, roll a joint, none of that, he doesn't have any of those things.
1: Right, and the onset is fast enough where he can self-regulate.
2: Exactly, so he can self-regulate very quickly and easily. Mm -hmm. And then the scent or smell is not as as, uh, noxious as otherwise. So right. it is. It's really about getting you know honing these different options in for patients so that they can use it the best way possible. You know, yeah. and that's one out of you know every five hundred patients that that's in that situation or doesn't have a care provider who can assist in that way. All
1: right,
2: right. So I have a couple patients in nursing homes, assist living facilities, etc., and essentially it creates this huge barrier for them, where the caregiver, not only does the caregiver usually have to get the medication delivered to their own home first and then deliver it to the facility. And then, you know, we have to create a whole set of steps and standards. They can't even, you know, do the, you know, you were mentioning the blister pack because it's easy. So I can't even do like the best medication out there. I have to do kind of subpar medication because it's easier for them to administer. Right. So, you know, I'm t- you have to take it like 10 steps down the line and it's incredibly frustrating.
1: How do you get Title 22 compliant labeling for those patients in facilities?
2: I don't even know. I, I haven't even gone down that path. So most places have just been either they are yes or no, and they, they will either accept it with the physicians discussion, recommendation, etc., or they are a no, we won't even go down this route. And then oftentimes we'll also go through the state. So we'll get the MMIC card through the state and go through all those governmental steps so that we can provide as many you know, levels of protection as possible. But um, no, I mean, the, the nice part is, is that the patients who do well with this, I mean, as you all know, that you know, some people it's not their medicine and a lot of people it is. And for those who do well with it, you're cutting back on extra set of hands for nursing because they need, you know, more help at night, they're sundowning, they're sleeping poorly, they're getting up five times at night and so somebody has to sit at their bedside and they have to have 24 hour care and monitoring, we take all of those extra expenses exhaustion from caregiving providers and, you know, all those other steps and finances, right? So the finances that go into all of that, Mm -hmm. we take all of those out. And so you give them this extra benefit that doesn't exist with all other medications. I don't know if you guys remember this. There was um, an article about a year or two ago, got everything changes with pandemic timeline, right? So I can't remember when anything was anymore.
0: The year that wasn't. (laughs) <laughs> right, you know, that
2: wasn't. There was an article about nursing homes misusing Benadryl. Mm-hmm. They were giving Benadryl without a prescription because they were trying to sedate, you know, agitated, really dementia patients or just agitated patients because yeah. they didn't want to, have to deal with them at night, right? So they just so give them they were Benadryl. using ben-
0: they were using Benadryl off label to keep them Calm. subdued,
2: exactly, and sedated. Wow. Right, you know, technically speaking, it's considered a chemical restraint, but you cannot chemically restrain people um, without their permission, right? And without a doctor's prescription, there's there's a lot of of reasons why we do chemically restrain people, right? We chemically restrain people who are on PCP. We Mm -hmm. chemically restrain people who are actively punching, you know, our staff and are being violent. Uh, we don't chemically restrain people to sleep at night. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's not an okay reason to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, especially because Benadryl may exacerbate some aspects of dementia. Absolutely. So yeah. it, it's this really, we, we don't have a lot of other great options like we do in terms of cannabis. And so yeah. it's really amazing to be able to have this.
1: Yeah. As an
0: yeah. So many, it's in, it's, it's a shame. It's... Not being used so much.
1: Yeah, Um, caregivers. Are caregivers benefiting from CBD or full spectrum cannabis medicine as well?
2: Great question. I um, I've now learned after about five years of cannabis medicine to do similarly what we do in the ER with UT, not UTIs, uh, STDs. Mm. So. In the emergency department to give you guys a glimpse into what we've learned over, you know, centuries (laughs) is that if somebody walks into your ER and says, uh, you know, you diagnose them with chlamydia, syphilis, you know, things that are really problematic and they need care because they will end up with much more severe bad outcomes. Mm -hmm. You cannot just treat the person in front of you. You have to also treat the hidden person, which is the person they've been having sex with. You know, be that one person, be that 10 people, Right. you need to ask about it. And you need to also offer antibiotics for those individuals. Mm-hmm. It's important because guess what happens? They go back to having sex with that person and they get back that infection. And what you give and get is a fluid kind of situation. So they come back again for treatment and it's kind of a bad cycle and from a public health perspective that person will go on to spread it to others yeah oftentimes unknowingly but sometimes knowingly so we need to treat people beyond just what's right in front of us
1: Mm -hmm.
2: now the the same is true in cannabis medicine and particularly because we're treating a lot of really sick patients and because we're treating a lot of people who um Need twenty-four hour caregiving, be they pediatrics or dementia or elderly care. Oftentimes, what I'll see is is now patients are a little bit more willing to kind of own up to what's going on, and they'll say, "Hey, before I gave it to my mom, child, etc., I wanted to try it out myself to make sure I wasn't drugging them." Right, and then it really comes from a good-hearted place. Absolutely. It happens. And so now we need to be really cognizant of, hey, if you take this, this is what's going to happen for you. Mm -hmm. And remember that your body is different from your mom, child, spouse, Mm -hmm. and what I'm dosing this for is particular to them. So you need to be mindful if you take it, you know, you can't drive, you can't be, you know, available to them for their caregiving needs, or you can't. You know, and where does that fall on the spectrum?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So you, caregivers, absolutely. Oftentimes they are stressed. They are anxious. They are also having insomnia because they have to get up with their, you know, the person they're caregiving for, you know, 50, 50 times over the course of the night. And sometimes they fall back asleep easily. Sometimes they don't. And mm-hmm. um, When they're having their off days or their, you know, caregiver holidays, sometimes they also need a way to unwind. We often Mm -hmm. find that caregivers have back strain frequently. They get a lot of muscle strain because they're doing a lot of lifting that's Mm -hmm. beyond their capacity. Maybe they're not doing it the perfect way, right? Their ergonomic Mm -hmm. way, um, but they're exacerbating their own physical bodies as well. Mm -hmm. And so can we be helpful to them? Yes, the simple answer is very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, the beauty of cannabis is, is, that it really does help also from a physiologic standpoint, from a muscle tissue, from a stress and anxiety perspective, as well as from insomnia, which we've mentioned a number of times now, but the important part is, is people sometimes think like, oh my God, how's this all hocus pocus, you know, how can it work for this and for that? And, you know, a, and for Z, it doesn't make sense. And something I like to remind people is that these medications work only where you have receptors. So you have receptors in your muscle and soft tissue, and you have receptors in your brain, which is why it works on both aspects of your body. Do you know where you don't have a lot of receptors is actually in the part of your brainstem that manages your breathing. And that's why we don't see overdoses result in stopping your breathing. Right, really important because we're not seeing people die from overdoses people feel miserable let's be clear right uh, too much THC is too much THC Uh Uh, most people will have at least one friend or story where they heard about somebody having a really bad episode with THC and that's but it won't kill you
0: and it's Won't super, kill you, yes. super. I'm going to say it's super prevalent. as actually right now there's a lot of stories about uh, kids going to ERs, eating, overdosing on these edibles of that are look like candy, and mom has left or it tastes out, good, put away, full of sugar. And they, you know, there it's oh, there's could be vomiting, there could be even seizures, or it could be this, this. But the one story that the one thing that's always the same in every story is the child is home resting. <laughs> they yeah. always end up going home. Recovering they never home. die. They always recover, and it's traumatic. True. Anybody that's eaten too much THC knows that it's very traumatic. It's not Should not happen to a small child
1: or an older or person or an older
0: person. Right. Anybody.
1: right. There are ways to not do that.
0: But like it never kills start
1: you. Lo- slow, uh, start low, and go slow. Right. That's right. You know. That's
2: right. And I actually take one step further, Chala. I say start low and stay there. Mm. <laughs> you don't even have to mm. go up. If right. it's for you, do not increase it. It would of be same, like, it would be the same thing as saying, like I take two Tylenol for a headache and the next time I should go up. No, I just
0: take, take two yeah. I Don't yeah, right. go up six, on the
2: dose. I mean, yeah. right? we, we forget this aspect of things. Um, yeah. Like all medicine works the same like that, where right. if it yeah. works for you, that's the dose you stay at. You don't right. have to continue to increase it.
0: Well, that's being, being, being being willing to, to realize that it's when it's working and when it's not also, because I also heard people, it's like, well, I've been taking it for six months and I don't get any, you know, we don't get, I don't see any benefit. Well, then maybe you need to increase it. Maybe you need to try something else. Right. Right.
2: Exactly. And maybe you're, you know, doing the wrong, you're using the wrong chemical components or the ratio is off for you. You know, there's, there's so many layers to this. Um,
0: what about topicals? You haven't really mentioned topicals. Have you, are you? there are a lot of receptors in the skin, right? I
2: love topicals. Yeah. I, like, if I had to like put an emoji heart around anything, it would actually be topicals. Mm. They are by far and away my favorite underutilized aspects of cannabis. Mm. Um, if I could make today something legal to use in the hospital, mm. it would be cannabis creams. And there's one reason and one reason alone, Mm. they are hugely effective when they are effective and they have almost, almost zero downside. Mm. So I've had the experience where I've had older patients, so uh, patients over the age around 70, sometimes 80, will see their skin thins, right? Yes, absolutely. Always. Right. It's just like we talked about, right? Our skin changes. It's an organ system. It's going to change. And what happens when the skin thins a bit is that if you think about that as a defense system, mm-hmm. right? This is our body's defense system from mm-hmm. preventing things from getting inside of our bodies.
1: Mm-hmm. That
2: defense mechanism goes down a little bit.
1: Yeah. And so
2: what happens, again, this is very rare, but I've seen on the occasion is that people rub a little bit of cannabis cream on and they do get slightly lightheaded. And all that means to me is that they've gotten it into their bloodstream a little bit more quickly or rapidly, mm-hmm. and they weren't expecting any effects. And again, mm-hmm. that passes within about ten to fifteen minutes, and then mm-hmm. gone. So if that was the only downside of all the medications I use in the hospital, no big deal. <laughs> I <Right. laughs> pat great. people on the back and smile as I walked out the door. Right. Um, but we, it's incredibly effective for muscle aches and pains for arthritis. Mm-hmm. We've got a really great research article on mouse models that shows that a topical CBD can actually resolve, you know, quite a bit of inflammation at joints um, mm-hmm. for arthritis. And mm-hmm. this year we're gonna start seeing information coming out of UCLA that's doing research with their rheumatology department. They got a grant for UCSD to mm-hmm. do research on rheumatoid arthritis. And cannabis, so those results coming out. But I think that a lot of there's a specifically diagnosis when your neck, you know, when you can't, you can't look one direction or your neck gets stiff and stuck. It's called torticollis, Mm -hmm. and for torticollis, you can literally rub it right on, lather it on, and if it's going to work for you, it goes away in about twenty minutes. Wow! People come into the ER with severe back spasms. Mm -hmm. I think everybody probably has a friend who's had that really bad back strain and they can't get out of bed for a day or two, mm-hmm. rub the cream on. And again, if it works for you, about 20 minutes and you can move around a little bit, maybe not perfect, but mm-hmm. you can move around. And that takes me a boatload of muscle relaxers, mm-hmm. opiates, and the like in the ER, After about, you know, can work as quickly as half an hour, but I've had people in the ER for six hours trying to get them, their back spasms to go away and I can sedate them, um, you know, very, very sedated and they still have these back spasms.
1: So imagine if
2: we could use a tool that was topical fact, you know, give me 60%, I'll take it. You know, that's. Yeah, and,
0: it's, yeah. and it's that, it's yeah. that, uh, um, you know, I, what do you call it? Um, uh, unique, whereas some people it won't work on them, but some people it totally works on them and it's going to work right away.
2: Right, I mean, we know this about medicine, right? We know that everyone's not genetically the same, right? Uh, people respond to all medications very differently. And in medicine, we think a really good medicine, it's really good. It works in about 60 to 75% of patients. That, that is a very technically good medication. Yeah. Um, so, for example, Benadryl. Mm. You know what? We love it, diphenhydramine. You know, it's sold around the world everywhere for as an antihistamine, right? For allergies. Mm-hmm. Now, the majority of people, it will do what? Sleepy.
0: Sleepy, right. Exactly. No. It'll
2: sedate them. There's mm-hmm. about 20% of people, it'll make them hyper. Mm-hmm. Right, right. right. It them up. Well, and they do they, make
0: meth out of it, don't they? I mean,
2: they, they use it in a lot of these other drug products, right, they right. And actually, we have a subset of, you know, IV drug abusers who actually like IV Benadryl too. It gets them high. Nice. So it's wow. like this other, you know, the other aspect to all medicine, right? All yeah. medicine works a little bit differently on each individual And yeah. again good medicine is medicine that works
0: 60 to 75 percent of the time not a hundred percent that works hundred percent interesting well and that, right. and the, and what is it that drug they just approved for alzheimer's i don't think even i don't think it's even close to working at all close to 60 to 70 percent and they gave it an approval yeah. and they were saying well we need to look at it some more but go ahead start using it
1: I would love it if they would give cannabis some approval since that has been tested in the population for millennia. Hasn't killed
0: anybody. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that the FDA said, oh yeah, let's go for that one. But cannabis, no, no. We still need to study that yeah, a little it's bit. Brand
1: more. new technology <laughs> It's totally awesome. And It's not gonna hurt you forever. It's gonna be great. But cannabis, we still need more studies.
0: Yeah. Right, but remember,
1: the, one of the big reasons behind that is because cannabis,
2: like before you talk about for like, let's go 75%. We're going to be a little conservative here. People are using really for fun, right? And that's, that's the caveat. And the point is, and with almost everything in pregnancy, and I'm not saying that I agree here, I think we get overly conservative with our pregnant patients to the point that we're causing peripartum depression. Stress, anxiety. You know. Oh my God! Did I eat a bagel and locks? Is my baby going to survive this? Your yeah, person? yeah.
0: Well, they don't yeah. test drug. They don't test drugs on pregnant women, which is probably the right thing to do. <laughs> and except they are testing the vaccine on pregnant women. So you know. I, well,
2: I'll tell you why. It's because we've seen now women coming down with COVID during their pregnancies and the baby dies is still born in induced labor and mom is still on a ventilator so we're in a situation where it's death versus not death whereas with cannabis it's not so severe or black and white which again is why and and again I, i don't agree or disagree on that front but it's just you know the the severity is really very different um and that's really where we need
1: to be it but, it's, but it's not different for people living with dementia. People living with dementia have a real need to access cannabis medicine, and they're being ignored. They're being ignored. And also, yes, maybe 75% of the population who is using cannabis right now, admittedly, are using it for fun, and they think it's not for medicine at all, but they know they feel better when they're using this product. So maybe... Hey. You know, and I w- think when is once...
0: euphoria and why is euphoria not a meta- medicinal uh, aspect of 100%, good? 100%. <laughs> and it comes yes. from
2: uh, the background of the United States, which is a very. I think a uh, very religious background, whether or not we want yeah. to admit it, right? That you you are, and in that religious background was you're not allowed to have fun. Fun is not okay, right? And that, that you know, we even see this in like Puritan. cultures, right? Japanese culture, it's, it's very, You know everything is held below the surface and you have it Mm -hmm. back and that's why we see these valves these pressure valves of alcoholism and Mm -hmm. spikes of abuse right because Mm -hmm. i can't keep it under the surface all the time Mm -hmm. and that's how my release valve is right and so what you're talking about is you know this balance and it goes back to the peripartum stage this balance that we're missing in our culture in general like you can have a glass of wine and be pregnant. Uh, you didn't hear it from me or recommend it from me. For other countries, they do allow women to drink while they're pregnant. It's uh-huh. again, And it's because of the, the amount, right? Degrees of moderation. Uh-huh. And that's something that we don't do very well here in the United mm-hmm. States. We don't uh-huh. do degrees of, of help, degrees of illness, degrees oh, yeah. of... Right.
0: Overconsume constantly. It's just on every level. Yeah.
2: We exactly on every level we overconsume.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know
2: the internet, Netflix is binge watching, <laughs> binge eating at McDonald's.
1: Uh-huh.
2: You know everything in America could be related
1: back to binging. Right? Yeah. And totally. consumerism and consuming because we're a capitalist culture. It's all related to that. Yeah. Right. This is like where the conversation is changing. Right. Can mm-hmm.
2: we alcohol is not. Evil, but it's not very good for you, right?
1: (laughs) 92,000 deaths a year in the United States.
2: Oh, yeah. No, don't get
1: that's alcoholism. That's a very, that's related related to alcohol, not just alcoholism. Right. So it's this moderation issue, right? Mm -hmm. Like,
2: could you unwind with half a glass of wine once a week? Sure. Go for it. I don't, I'm not going to tell you that's the bad way of doing something. Could you unwind with a joint once a week? Yes. But which one
0: (laughs) which one is stigmatized and which one is applauded? You know, there's somebody mentioned Stephen Colbert had a drink every night during covid uh, proudly sucking down his martinis every night. But everybody freaked out when Conan smoked a joint on his last show.
2: And that's Uh, exactly uh, right.
0: And that's it.
2: And that's the issue at hand is, you know, how is it that in every TV show in every movie and every movie about moms, I'll, t- I'll tell you from like something that, you know, hits home to, to my heart, every, you know, show about a mom, they unwind with a glass of wine every night. They're like, is it time yet to do away with my kids? Right. Hey, that's right. That's right. The way to unwind from being with your kids or your family or the pressures of life. Wouldn't so like. CBD
1: be better? Right. It would. Wait, what, and it's so not intoxicating and the, exactly
2: and so that's where it becomes the discussion like how can we do this better can we do this better what's better for you as the individual you know is it cbd every day all day you know 10 times a day balance right balance
1: so well
0: there is a level of intoxication that's wanted i think right we'll, you know well, of
1: course you yeah. don't drink wine for the taste i'm yeah. sorry don't.
0: <laughs> <Best> <laughs> <or for laughs> That's yeah. the
2: whole point is, can we do this better, right? Whether yeah. Yeah, it's you need to unwind because we're stressed out. Is it the pandemic and you've got three kids at home now who used to be in school all day and you're managing a job and this and that and the other thing? Is it that you're caretaking for um, a parent who has dementia and is breathing down your neck because all the other activities that we used to do with our parents with dementia are now shut down we can't go visit them they can't come visit us the nobody else can visit or take all of that yeah. stress off of our shoulders can we do any of those things and if we can or we can't that's really part of the discussion right like that's where we want to be able to use cbd in these situations we want to use THC in these situations we want to be able to use combination treatment here and guess what we even have other minor cannabinoids that we want to use there's CBDA and THCA and CBG All of these different aspects. And and I tell people, it's like, you know, do you prefer vodka, tequila, beer, wine? I mean, there's like a hundred different versions of this, right? Right. And then within- Shots
0: shots or dabs, you know, I mean, it's- uh...
2: There's so much variety that comes of it. And that's why, you know, we need to have these real discussions. We need to have these really intimate discussions about what's going to be best for you as the individual.
1: Well, when I was caregiving for my mom, I got into a very bad habit of drinking way too much wine. Um, At one point, I would go to my mom's um, assistant, my mom's nursing home, let's just be real. And I would buy a can of wine at the supermarket across the street and go over and help her with dinner and the three other people at her table with dinner while I drank my wine. And then I would go home and I would have more wine with my dinner right?
2: because that was your coping
1: technique. And 40 pounds later, you know, I was having, you know, terrible sleep and all kinds of other issues. And of course, we now uh, know even more that um, I mean, I read a study recently that even one glass of wine causes brain damage and a day, I, a
2: day. Right. It's not overall.
1: Yeah. It's a day. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, so so a day. I was drinking every day.
2: <laughs> multiple glasses yeah. right exactly yeah so it's these are those things where you know it's you know Chella that was for example your situation another caregiver might be like well I took one of mom's Xanax I took one of mom's atavans too and I was doing that plus wine plus
0: yeah yeah and then we add <laughs> yeah. another <right>? no problem <laughs>
2: so we talk about like oh can I also use cannabis as a caregiver you know yes that's better than using mom's Xanax, benzos, you know, filled
1: in the blanks. Again, those help to increase your likelihood of having dementia yourself. Yes. So when I finally kind of had an epiphany about alcohol, I went, oh yeah. Cause I kept my diet really tight, but I was still drinking. Yeah. And I finally had an epiphany about that. And I did start using CBD regularly and I would use a, you know, a, a ratio product. So it had, a, you know, a little bit of THC in it, but not enough to make me feel intoxicated or lightheaded or at all, just receiving some of those benefits, maybe pain relief, maybe calming.
2: Calming,
0: calming. Yeah, mood you're elevation. Yeah. Up heater,
2: you know, and, and just bringing you down a notch, right? Without feeling like you're stoned or high or intoxicated.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's some little
1: extra. Right, that's... that's cool. <laughs>
2: I mean, who doesn't, right? Who who doesn't when you're in that situation? Well, I
0: think we're going to, you know, uh, Chella's always talk about there being an FDA recommended amount of CBD you need every day. Uh, you know, house. there's quite, yeah. there's quite possibly that's, that might be something on the horizon. I mean, the, you're, if you look at the way they're trying to legalize it, they're, they're making moves to saying CBD basically should be a dietary supplement. You guys should be looking at it like that way. And there might end up being recommendations and certainly yeah. amount for amounts of how many, how much you shouldn't take. <laughs> so
2: so I think in order, order to get there though, in order to get there, the first thing we have to do is Recognize that we need to actually test for it, right? We need to test our blood and see what mm. our individual system looks like, right?
0: And that because mechanism we is not know that
2: thing. we've got our own endocannabinoids, and you know, are those levels off the charts? Are they low?
0: Are they low? Do you need yeah. this
2: as a supplement because your levels are low? We do this with thyroid, right?
1: All right. What's know? the range? What's the normal range? Right. <laughs> right.
2: And in order for it to be like, if it's a supplement, then the assumption is, is that you have it yourself, but you're low or deficient in it. But if we can't measure it or, or see that deficiency, then how are we just going to, you know, make this as a blanket statement? So that's another aspect that we, you know, when we talk about the medical side of things, we really need to push forward. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: I'm really excited. I think this is going to be the first uh, group that we, we talk about this, but uh, Pacific Neuroscience Institute, so that is PNI at St. John's in Santa Monica, as well as a very grateful donor has uh, given us um, a chunk of money to start doing research with dementia and cannabis. So we're going to start doing that coming up uh, in the next three months.
0: Oh, oh my, my God, God. That, that is amazing! amazing. Yeah.
2: So we're Let very us know excited if
1: we can help in any way oh at my all.
0: God. Yeah, we're going
2: to start recruiting. We're still kind of stamping out the plans on how to do this best and how to reach you know, the most numbers of people. Clearly we cannot, you know, give medicine to people, but what we can do is advise them on how to use, what they're using, how that works along with the medications that they are using and really adjust things so that we get the best results ever. Oh my God, you guys, are we tearing up a little bit? I know this is, it's great. And it just goes to show that when people get involved and we have good outcomes, you know, It's the the work of the people and the donations of everyone that really take it to the next level. So what we're going to do is is we're going to start monitoring outcomes and hopefully within the year, see, you know, how things change. And and I'm so thankful to be able to say this is because we have been seeing that change and we have been seeing these incredibly positive outcomes. Um, I have one incredibly grateful patient who's... um, it's an older gentleman and his wife has had dementia for a number of years and they've spent tens of thousands of dollars on procedures and medicine and, you know, ultrasound based procedures. And really, you know, what we think of as alternative type medicine and nothing has worked. And we got her on a CBD THC combination medication and she has more good days than bad she sleeps better. She doesn't get into fights with caregivers. Mm -hmm. She is more cognizant on more days about who's around her, right? She has, she has clearer days, right? Those days where she recognizes people more often than she has in years. And that's incredibly impressive, especially when you think about, you know, the trajectory of dementia is down, right? It doesn't go down and then
0: it doesn't
2: curve back up. So the right. fact that we're seeing this you know, downtrend that's kind of not just stabilized, but maybe even kind of goes up and down a little bit is really phenomenal. So it's, it's really a testament to the medicine. We're seeing research studies coming out of Germany um, talking about how uh, THC specifically given to dementia-induced uh, mice Delay that onset of dementia and not just delay, but they do better for the longer period of time. And the question becomes like, oh, you know, but teach is not good for the brain, but the brain is not a stagnant organ, right? None of our organ. I mean, if you look at your skin and I, I would show you my flabby arms, but it's just embarrassing <laughs> for me, but your skin changes, right? I mean, that's the mm-hmm. easiest, yeah. most visible thing that we can tell on everyone, right? Our skin, when your baby's lovely and bouncy and plump and you know you get older and you get hair changes and you know sun changes and you get uh, plasticity changes right you get all of these changes that become very visible and then you get a little bit older and then you see you know dryness settle and you see sun damage settle and you see um you know wrinkles settling and those are the different changes so would you say that a cream product that we use on a, let's say 75 year old should act the same as a cream product that we use on an infant? No, absolutely not. Nobody would say that, right? Like you wouldn't use acne medicine on, a, on an infant. And maybe THC and CBD are going to be the same thing, right? Maybe Mm -hmm. this isn't good for for a developing brain, neurocognitively normal. Let's let's put a caveat in there. A neurocognitively normal brain. But maybe at the other end of life, right, where the brain has changed, it's got some damage from alcohol, nicotine, life, trauma, PTSD, Mm -hmm. emotional stressors, right, that food, right, whatever, whatever we've done to our bodies at the age of 80 plus, let's say, even maybe a little earlier, it Mm -hmm. takes a toll on our brains, we know that, right, this isn't like new things I'm talking about, but maybe at that point, this THC CBD combination is going to come in and help you a little bit of the cleanup crew.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: where it's like cleaning up some of that mess that we've kind of left behind in our brain and allowing for those neurons to kind of fire a little bit more normally. Mm -hmm. So that's really, you know, where we're seeing these different aspects of campus use in life. Um, So, you know, whether it's behavioral, so aggressive behavior that we see with a lot of older adults going through dementia and Alzheimer's, Um, whether it's sleep disorders, insomnia, frequent wake-ups, you know, they're not as active during the day, they get up a little bit more frequently at night, and then that's the vicious cycle that continues. And we know, by the way, that sleep is incredibly helpful for prevention of dementia. So that's one thing we know, right, very clear. So if we can get people to sleep better, um, then maybe we can help kind of delay a little bit more of that onset. And then there's the other aspect. Could this even be helpful, right? Just for the the actual disease state itself. And that's really, I think, where we're going to start looking in with PNI, Pacific Neuroscience Institute, myself, um, Dr. Sherry Ifai at the Relief Institute. We're going to be looking in and working together. Um, The goal is about, you know, five to 10 patients in a clinical arena to Mm -hmm. do these kind of group, Discussions and see where we're shining and where things
1: aren't working, so where we can make this work better. Amazing! Super excited! I'm amazing. (laughs) I am very, very excited about that progress. Me too. Of course, I hope to be in greater contact with you as you go through it. Absolutely. Very exciting. Well, Dr. Oh, thank Sherry, you. thank you so much. My this was awesome. great, com- great great
0: conversation, actually, it's on a lot always of topics. It was great, great
1: chatting. Great. Yeah, it was- thank, thank, you guys. thank you, Dr. Sherry. Have Stay a great safe. day. You too.
0: Okay, bye. Thanks for joining us for Cannabis Helps Dementia. Be sure to download, rate, and review us on your favorite podcasting network. And please share this podcast with anyone you know in relationship with dementia. Do you want to tell your story of how cannabis helps dementia? Drop us a note at CoachChella.com or connect with us on the socials.
1: Check out the Society of Cannabis Clinicians website to find real medical professionals familiar with cannabis medicine in your area.
0: And don't forget, download, like, and share what you learned. Cannabis helps dementia. Why don't you get wise? Get up and get out. Get rid of that frown that's been dragging you down. And get up in the air. Just pretend that you can fly. Never know if you can till you try.